Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Monday, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day. Whenever you need it, I'm Doug Branson, riding solo on this Monday, trying to get your week started off in the right direction with some Hornets talk and some NBA talk as well. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, the NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world, um, you know, the Hornets have been officially eliminated from a playoff contingent, but we have a lot to talk about over the next few weeks, including um, who the Hornets are going to draft, uh, what, the, or what the Hornets are going to do in the draft. As we saw last year, not, um, not necessarily certain that they will draft anyone. So we'll be talking about that. We are going to be doing basically season recaps on every single player and Steve Clifford, and Rich Cho, so stick around for those throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, also, got to talk, we're going to talk playoffs too. I mean, obviously, we, we watch the NBA, so we will be discussing the goings-on there as well. I just saw that the Western Conference uh, playoff matchups are essentially set now. There's a little bit to be decided in the Eastern Conference, but right now, we have the Western Conference playoff matchups. They are Golden State and Portland. That's going to be fantastic. A lot of scoring, a lot of guard play there. Then you've got Utah versus the L.A. Clippers. So you have one team in the Clippers, uh, sort of an old guard. They've been together for a while trying to make something happen versus this up-and-coming Utah Jazz team, sort of out with the old, in with the new maybe, uh, with the Jazz, and they have a possibility of being uh, the fourth seed or the fifth seed. So th- those two still trying to decide who's going to get home court advantage. And then the three, six matchup, the Houston Rockets versus the Oklahoma city thunder, your two uh, top two MVP candidates and James Harden and Russ Westbrook going toe to toe in the playoffs. That's going to be fantastic. And then finally San Antonio against the Grizzlies grit and grind versus, um, you know, those boring Spurs, those, those excellent, amazing, uh, deft, outstanding, boring Spurs versus your Memphis Grizzlies. You know, got to go back to the Russ Westbrook thing. So uh, last night he scores 50 points. He hits the game winner, knocks Denver out of the playoffs. And to me, he cemented his MVP, not candidacy, but his MVP award. And I said this last week, I thought, you know, and he got the 42nd triple-double as well. Should mention that. Beat Oscar Robertson's record of 41 and for all intents and purposes, should end the season with a averaging a triple-double. I said this last week, that people were going to talk about James Harden as MVP, and that he deserved it more than Russ Westbrook for X, Y, and Z, 
But when Russ Westbrook finally started to break some of these records and do these things that we haven't seen in decades, that it would be very, very difficult to deny him. And now you have all of the players who are on social media who saw that shot last night, who are coming out on social media and saying, Russell Westbrook, MVP. It's it's easy to write about someone who looks like they may deserve it because they're breaking this record and they don't deserve it. It's harder to vote against that person when they actually break the record. So I, I think Russell Westbrook uh, gets the MVP. But uh, let's get back to the Hornets. Um, I got to start with this news before we get into any kind of game recaps or previews. Got to start with the news that Charlotte will be eligible for the 2019 All-Star Weekend after House Bill 2's repeal compromise was signed into law. At a press conference on Friday, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said that it was, quote, not an easy decision and that it's not a done deal either, but it seems like they want the weekend in Charlotte. And frankly, folks, I mean, if you listen to the show, you know I'm not surprised by this decision. Uh, I think David was a little more skeptical that this day would come, that the NBA would come out and say that Charlotte was eligible for the All-Star Weekend in 2019. I was less skeptical because I thought all along this decision by the NBA to take the game away, to dangle it out to Charlotte in 2019 if the law were changed, not repealed, but changed, I thought this was a clearly a business decision all along And I think this bears out. And the NBA was the last domino to fall, too. They were waiting on the NCAA, the ACC to all give their blessing. And now it's it's the NBA's turn. And uh, they, they say it's not a done deal. But some of the conditions to make it a done deal were that, you know, they had to get assurances from... Uh, everywhere in in Charlotte that there would be you know no discrimination so maybe some some you know pen and paper kind of thing but that's that's ridiculous because Charlotte uh wasn't discriminating against anyone they wanted they wanted to not discriminate it was the state level so again but again that that's stuff that you only know if you're on on the ground you know you're 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 here you know you're in the know um they have to explain this to the entire country and to the entire world. That's their consumer base. So they have to explain that to everyone. So they have to come out and say, well, you know, we got to make sure that there's going to be no discrimination in Charlotte. Well, of course there's not going to be because I mean, that's, they, you know, Charlotte wanted the ordinance in the first place to ensure that, uh, uh, you know, that anyone could use the bathroom of, of their, of, of the gender that they chose. Okay. So, Anyway, I just think that this was all, again, a business decision, and now you're seeing that play out. Again, whether you agree with that or not, because there is opposition uh, to this repeal, and, and and people say that it doesn't go far enough, and I think the NBA was kind of hinting at that as well. But again, enough has been done for business to take place. So... Interesting story there, and uh looks like 2019 in Charlotte, you could be seeing uh, the All-Star Weekend um, arrive. Okay, let's move on to uh, this latest loss, third straight for the Hornets. They lose at home to the Boston Celtics, 124 
to 114. They fall to 36 and 44 and officially out of playoff contention. The big story from this one was head coach Steve Clifford getting ejected after picking up his second technical for arguing with officials. This is the first time that Clifford has been ejected from a game as a head coach. So in his career, never been ejected. And he is, listen, he is not a coach that is afraid to get very intense with officials and and not afraid to be assessed a technical. It's just he has never been assessed two technicals as a head coach and been ejected from the game, and it came over a two-minute period. Um, so what to think about this? Uh, first of all, I think that Clifford was obviously frustrated with some of the calls that were happening uh, in that game and and probably had a right to be. It was, a, I think, a poorly officiated game. But um, he's, he, you know, he apologized after the game to his players for allowing that to happen, though I think that uh, he was well within his right, not only because of the officiating, but because this has been a frustrating season for him. And, and he has been explicit about that, that, you know, he felt like it was his job to get these players to play their best. Now, if their best isn't necessarily good enough to win an NBA championship, fine. If their best isn't good enough to win a first-round series, fine. But his job is to get them to play to their max. And I think he did a great job of that last season. You had players um, you know, setting career highs all over the place, and the team itself was functioning much better as a whole. It was a, you know, better than the sum of its parts. This season, that hasn't happened, and he has recognized that, and he's put a lot of that blame on himself, um, unfairly, I think, because I think a lot of this has to do with uh, the players suiting up and getting out there and playing their best and focusing on, you know, a lot of this probably is rooted in the offseason and some of the decisions that were made in the offseason, both in terms of players that they added, but also, uh, you know, how the players got themselves ready for this season. But Clifford puts a lot of that on himself, and I think you could see that frustration mounting. And, you know, the season has been slipping away essentially since the new year. And and it finally boiled over against uh, the Boston Celtics, and he gets the ejection. Steven Silas steps in in the absence of Clifford, but also in the absence of Patrick Ewing, who is now the head coach of Georgetown. So he steps away. Steven Silas steps up. I thought he did a good job, and, and Clifford co- um, complimented him as well in terms of his game management skills, finding more time for Nick Batum, who uh, was excellent in this one, finishing with a season high or tying a season high with 31 points on 11 of 23 shooting, very aggressive, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc and getting to the line a few times as well, also adding 8 rebounds, only 3 assists in this one. I mean, he was really focused on scoring the basketball and uh, another tough shooting night for Kimball Walker, 7 of 19, so he had to be. I mean, he had to step up and, and do those things for the Hornets and they needed every point that they got. Uh, got down early in this one, 71-54 to 54 at halftime. Uh, the Hornets clawed their way back in the third quarter, eventually taking a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter. So what do you take from that? What do you take from the fact that they could get a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter against Boston and lose by 10 points? I think what you take from that is that this game is extremely representative 
of this Hornets season. In that, and Steve Clifford mentioned this after the game, 29 points in the fourth quarter for the Boston Celtics. Fourth quarter defense has been an issue. You, you saw several moments in this game where the Hornets were firing on all cylinders on offense, moving the basketball, screening well, getting in the paint, kicking it out, knocking down three-point shots, something that they haven't necessarily done well. Um, they they do it well late in the game, struggled early to hit three-point shots, but did it well late in the game. But it's not enough because they can't do it for four quarters. They can't maintain that level of really defense. I mean, 114 points. Think about those times, Bobcats fans, when you would have killed, murdered, pillaged for 114 points of offense. When the Hornets were not getting over 100 offensive rating in those years. Now it's a given. Even with, they can't even play four out one in most of the time. When When the starters are on the floor, they can't play four out one in. And they're still scoring at a high rate because they have so many playmakers. They're a great passing team. And they finish well around the rim. So they can get offense whenever they want. But it's been about defensive intensity. It's been about defensive consistency. And it's been about guarding the three-point line, something that they have not been able to do. The Boston Celtics shoot 17 of 39 43.6% from beyond the arc, but the 17 number. Same as the Washington Wizards two games ago, and then uh, they allowed the Heat that record 21 three-point makes. Been an issue all season, folks, and and you know I think it's something that they have to address. Perimeter defense, whether it's I think it's it's probably going to have to be both a change in personnel in terms of the bench because you saw the bench get absolutely wrecked in that first half. It led to that 71-54 to halftime lead. But I think it's also maybe has to be a slight change in strategy and how much the focus is on guarding the paint. And then someone on Twitter, McLeod, wanted me to mention the uh, uh, Jay Crowder incident late in the game with Kimba Walker. Kimba uh, going to the floor, very slow to get up, appeared to be injured, and Jay Crowder uh, coming over. It looked like he was trying to help him up, but then he yanked him up really, really hard. And um, uh, I think Eric Collins commented on sportsmanship of Crowder. It seems like this person on Twitter, uh, McCloyd, thanks for tweeting us, uh, didn't see it like that. And I think it was just a situation where I mean, I've watched it a few times. It looked like Jay just didn't know that Kimba Walker was injured. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I take much malice from it, um, other than you know Crowder assuming that Kimba was okay and and wanting to help him, and you know just in a in a competitive kind. I mean, you know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to gingerly help you up. Uh, I don't think they, you know, unless it's your teammate, I don't think the opposition's going to necessarily do that. But yeah, Kimba. Uh, did go to the floor. I haven't heard anything in terms of his injury status as of yet. They play tonight uh, in Milwaukee. Should get word on that soon. Um, I should. I would expect if there were any kind of injury concerns that at this point, you know, a lot of teams when they're knocked out of playoff contention 
or or have sealed up their fate in terms of the playoffs, they start to find reasons to to sit guys. So a little ankle soreness. Well, their ankles are always sore. <laughs> their knees are always sore. Um, you know that's just part of the intense grind of the eighty-two game season. So you find reasons uh, to get them on that injury list. And I think again, if if Kemba um, is uh, not feeling a hundred percent, then you absolutely let him have a seat and give uh, Brian Roberts and Briante Weber the call, or maybe even Ramon Sessions if if he's healthy enough to give it a go. Uh, then, then you let him get in there and scramble around as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's it for Boston, one twenty-four to one fourteen, the final in that one. Uh, let's move on. The Hornets do uh, finish out their season with a traveling back-to-back. We told you it was going to be tough, folks. Uh, even if they were still in contention, this uh, final two games were going to be really tough. First up tonight in Milwaukee, a chance for the Hornets to rectify a loss at the end of March that really began the end of their playoff dream. They would follow it up with three straight victories after that, but um, that loss to the Bucks, I felt like, really was the beginning of the end because I signaled those two games against Milwaukee, that one and then this one coming up tonight, as the games where they could really make some movement. I did not expect, and it really began a run for Milwaukee, too. Uh, of of games because they were coming off an embarrassing loss to Chicago before that game, and it really started uh, their ascent and their solidification of their playoff positioning in the Eastern Conference. Though they only sit a game above Indiana for seventh, they only sit a game below Atlanta for fifth. So you know the Bucks are going to be coming into this game playing their absolute best because they want to you know improve their playoff positioning a- as much as possible. Though. You know, this question comes up, you know, do you lose a game, win a game? What do you do in terms of um, playoff positioning? Do we want to play, you know, X team? Do we want to play Y team? Uh, Again, I think it's the same with tanking. I'm not sure how much they're focused on that at all. I think, you know, the Bucs are just focused on, look, uh, you know, you don't want to fall below the Pacers. You don't want to fall. So you want to play your absolute best regardless um, whether you maintain that sixth position and want to play the three seed, and there's you know there's still some movement up top too. So you, you know you just play your absolute best and and let the chips fall where they may, and then you want to go into that first round. You know it seems like Milwaukee is definitely like the team that Charlotte was last year. Um, they they have players that are playing um, you know way above their averages, and also I think they are a, a team that is just very difficult to play. They make things difficult on you for different reasons than the Hornets made things difficult on you last year. They make it difficult on you by turning you over and getting out into transition and letting those uh, athletes that they have, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, run wild. Uh, they, so they do it for different reasons, but at the same time, they still make things very difficult on you. Um, here's what I'll be watching for. I think I'm going to be watching Nick Batum. Uh, to see if he continues his aggressive play. It seems like over the past couple of games, he's had a bit of a a revelation. Uh, we talked about this last week, mentioning some rumors, some speculation on some uh, different international sites about whether or not Nick Batum would play for the French national team this summer in uh, Eurobasket. You know, he played obviously last summer for the Olympic team in Rio and did not play very well. Uh, no one was necessarily concerned about that at the time. 
Um, but you know, coming into this season, he has not uh, played. He has not shot the ball very well in terms of his efficiency. His the volume has been there. Um, his aggressiveness on offense has you know waxed and waned, and that tends to happen for playmakers. Sometimes they feel like they have to come in and, and score, and sometimes they feel they have to come in and and distribute. And we've seen that from Nick Batum. Um, But at the same time, here's a fact, folks. I mean, he didn't play well enough to even be whispered in in all-star discussions. And if this team really wants to go to the next level, if they want to not only win a playoff series but possibly get into the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, if that's the end goal, then eventually Nick Batum will have to join Kimball Walker in all-star consideration. I mean that's it's you know shooting guard and small forward, both of those positions very tough uh, to to get in um, you know but but at the same time I think Nick Batum could certainly uh, find his game getting to the level of a Demar Derozan, um, but it's going to take you know the same thing that Kimba Walker look Kimba Walker didn't wake up one day and become an all star. I mean, he was in the gym. I mean that's all you heard. Kimba Walker in the gym, gym rat with the team. Off-season workouts. You don't hear those same kind of things about Nick Batum. And I think he's starting to put that together. Uh, He made some comments after the game against Boston about this season and about what his off-season will look like in terms of playing for Europe um, and otherwise. I'm going to be back in the gym in two weeks, so I'm going to dedicate my summer to this franchise. I mean, I won't play this summer at the French team. I won't play this summer for the French team. I'm gonna really like be back on the court and really work on myself to be back next year and this team back on in the playoff spot. So yeah, I won't play this summer. He hasn't missed an international competition in years, and he's been playing internationally for France, you know, since he was a teenage teenager. So this would be huge. Or this is huge. I mean, he said it. He definitively said it. I'm not going to play for them. I'm going to be in the gym. I'm going to be with this team. Uh, trying Because I think he recognizes, look, I got the big contract. Uh, this is what I was striving for. And and if, if I want to uh, take my game to the next level and take my team to the next level, then, then I have to put in that commitment. It's, you know, it, it doesn't come, uh, you know, just because you sign the big contract. Uh, so it's good to see him recognizing that, and I'm sure that will make Steve Clifford happy during the whole should players rest conversation. You heard Steve Clifford talk about the fact that players you know, go off and do these other competitions, do these international competitions, or, or work out with their um, you know, individual trainers, and uh, it's not as you – know, playing basketball for the French national team is just not as intense, I don't think, as – you know, uh, uh, getting in the gym and, and playing uh, with your team. So this will be this will make Steve Clifford happy. I think it's it's something that uh, should make Hornets fans happy, um, and, and will be good news for the Hornets next season. Because, like I said, they need Nick Batum, and they need that not only that efficiency uh, to right. We we went over the efficiency numbers last week. Uh, they're down nearly four or five points on last season, uh, both from the three point line and overall. Um, but I think his usage has to go up as well. You've seen over these past two games, um, went from 22 on the season to 29 over these last two games where he scored 31 and 24 respectively. And do you need him to be that aggressive? Not necessarily. 
not necessarily, but it you know it, it's not going to hurt either. I mean, he's a very good basketball player. All right, that'll do it for us here on Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, where we will be live tweeting tonight's game. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a rating. It's how hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Your Hornets questions, your thoughts, give them to us. Buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back tomorrow with a recap of uh, tonight's game against the Bucks and a preview of tomorrow's game against Atlanta. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Bucks. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.